seek him here, they seek him there. Those Frenchies seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? That damned elusive Pimpernel. is a mortal character, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Adventures are the Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Marius Goring as Sir Percy Blakeney. The French Revolution was all but over, and Europe was praying for a lasting peace. But suddenly these hopes were dashed by the rise of a new and powerful personality in France, an ambitious young general named Napoleon Bonaparte. Terry Dewhurst and I were holidaying with friends on the Kentish coast, a family we brought out of France during the terror four years earlier. The widowed Countess de la Chapelle and her son Anatole and her daughter Felicité. After dinner on our first evening, the talk turned inevitably to the one subject that I have no doubt was being discussed in a hundred thousand other English homes. You would never attempt it, I'm sure. I'm only a woman and I do not understand such things. But there are too many things against him. Are they not, Sir Percy? Uh, let's hope so, madam. Oh, I'm sure there must, Your Grace. You really think that, Lord, do you have? I certainly do. You see, to bring an invasion force across the channel, you'd first need to win control of the seas. And, well, that's something you'll never do. Ah, your British Navy. It gives one such a wonderful feeling of confidence. Oh, I don't think an invasion's as impossible as all that. Oh, what do you know about it, Anatoly? You are only a child. I'm 20. Your mind is not matured yet. Who are you to talk? You're only two years older yourself. No, now, children, no quarreling, please. As a matter of fact, it is a subject I've given a good deal of thought to. And what conclusions have you reached? I do not think command of the seas is necessary at all. No, but sure. Consider. The channel at its narrowest point is, what, uh, 21 miles across? Yeah, just about. Even here, it is less than 50 miles to Boulogne. With a fair wind, a small boat could make the crossing in, ooh, how long would you say? Uh, eight hours, perhaps? My point exactly. Except in the summertime, completely during the hours of darkness. Very interesting, Anatole. But it would take many hundreds of small boats to transport an invading army, not to mention their arms and ammunition and supplies. <laughs> hundreds? It would take thousands. And it would be quite impossible to assemble such a fleet, you know, without the British government getting to uh, hear about it. <laughs> you see, Anatole, your beautiful theory exploded already. Perhaps you had better leave it to the generals and the admirals. They know about that thing. But Sir uh, Percy misunderstands me, Maman. Oh, do I? Sorry. I was not thinking of a mass invasion, but of, well, I suppose you would call it a sort of infiltration. 
How do you mean exactly, Otto? Oh, tonight a few men here, tomorrow mm-hmm. night a few somewhere else, the night after a few more, gradually building up strength, you see, until the signal comes to attack. And where would they hide? These few here and these few there. Oh, there must be places, caves in the cliffs, perhaps, oh, woods. Oh, you talk nonsense, Anatole. Ah, you don't understand such things. You may be older than I am, but you're only a girl. Oh, no. please, children. Oh, you must forgive them, Sir Percy. They're very fond of each other, but always they argue like this. As a matter of fact, I find Anatole's idea rather interesting. You do? I don't say it's practical, mind you. But if the element of surprise were maintained, it's just the sort of thing that might come off. Of course, whoever planned it would have to be a man of audacity and vision. But don't you see that's exactly what he is? Uh, Bonaparte, you mean? Yes. Really, Anatole. You speak as though you approve of the man. Well, I, well, I don't approve him exactly, but but I do admire him oh. in a way. To think that I should live to hear such a thing from my own son. Well, you must admit he's doing a lot for France, wielding it together, making it strong again. I admit not a thing. The man is a human monster without conscience or mercy. Yes, of course he is. You will be saying next that you are in favor of the revolution. Oh, don't be silly, Felicity. It's a monster, the same thing. Anyway, I have had you. You had me. Oh, yes, I have. The other day I heard you say the monarchy was effete. And that King Louis was a bad and a weak ruler. And a costly luxury to the state. And, oh, lots of other things. Is this true, Anatole? Well, if you must know, I do think France is better off without him. Uh, not that I think he deserves to be killed, of course, but... Anatole, I am gravely displeased. But, Mama, you must admit yourself... To say that... such a thing when your own father was killed by those terrible Jacobins. I'm not defending the revolution. I'm simply trying to say... I am that... not prepared to argue with you. You will go at once to your home. But at you... once. Yes, Mama. Good night, everyone. The subject was not raised again. And in a couple of days, Anatole was back in favor, and the whole incident was forgotten. One afternoon, Tony strolled down to the village, shared a few glasses of ale with the locals, and he came back with a strange story. They were telling me about that old ruined mansion on the headland just north of the beach. You've seen it, of course, Blackney. Yes, I've intended several times to ask about it. Oh, you must mean the place that they call um, Martin's Folly. Yes, that's it. Well, what's its history? Oh, I know so little about such things. But uh, one of the children. <laughs> well, I do not know much about it either, I'm afraid. Except that it was supposed to be built by a man who made his fortune as a privateer during the days of your uh, Queen Elizabeth. That's right. Sir Rufus Martin. They called him Sir Rufus because he had red hair. He was a man of very violent temper, they say. He caught his wife with another man and killed them both. Then set fire to the house and was destroyed himself in the ruins. Oh, a nice, charming, blood-curdling tale. Yes, and ever since then, the place has been haunted by the three of them. Yes, I thought they were telling me in the village. Uh, they seem to take it quite seriously, too. In fact, I'm assured nobody ever goes near the place after nightfall. And with good reason, too. Oh, but surely you don't believe. In ghosts? Yes. Why should I not? Well, I mean to say... I believe in what I see, Lord Dewhurst. And what have you seen, eh? I have seen at night moving lights and vague misty forms. Oh, really, Felicity? And I have heard the weeping of a woman and groans and the clash of swords. Oh, you are letting your imagination run away with No, no, it is true, Mama. I can vouch for that. Uh, you've seen and heard these things too, Anatole. Well, not all of them, but there is something there. Mm. You probably saw gypsies or tramps camping for the night. No, 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 no. Early next morning I looked... And there was no one. Goodness, then it must have been ghosts. Oh, Blackney, you don't mean to say you believe in them, too. My dear fellow, I'm perfectly open-minded, as you always know. I neither believe, nor do I disbelieve. Oh, well, I think it is all a lot of nonsense. No, you shouldn't say that, Mama. You do not know. (laughs) Tell me, Felicity, are these ghosts supposed to appear every night, or um, only from time to time? Well, 
As to that, I, I cannot say, monsieur. Ah, well, there's one way of finding out, eh, don't we? You mean, uh, let's go after supper for a little stroll to Martin's Folly. No, no, do not do it. Please, you must not. Oh, Felicite, mon enfant, you're not scared, sir. Well, I... Uh, oh, not scared, are you? Scared? <laughs> oh, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> that is sort of luck we may even meet the red-haired Sir Rufus. Very nice for us. It was dark by nine. Soon afterwards, rejecting an offer by Anatole to accompany us, we made our way across the sand dunes and up the steep hill on top of which stood the ruined mansion, or rather its gutted shell. We stayed in a small copse nearby, and in the pale moonlight we could vaguely see the ivy-covered walls. An hour passed. Two hours. Then suddenly, pick me. Look, look over there. Oh, where? In, in the west wing. Can't see anything. Oh, nor do I now, but a moment ago there was a light. Oh, well, what sort of a light? A sort of airy green one. Uh-huh. There it is again. Yes, she can. See how it comes and goes. As though there were a swirling mist around it. Oh, it's no ordinary lantern light. Well, if you ask me, it's no ordinary anything. It's, it's gone now. There it is again. Take me. Do you hear what I hear? Swords. Hey, look. What's, what's that on the terrace? Well, I hear it. Just make it out. It's a woman, I think. No, it's not. It's a man in doublet and hose. There's the light again. I can see him more clearly. Yeah, totally. It's flaming red. Sir Rufus Martin. Oh, let's get away from him. No, 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 be a fool. But I've never been afraid of anything oh, living. He's all right. Really. He's gone now, and so's the light. I'll never disbelieve in ghosts again. Oh, it certainly was a weird experience. Weird? It was terrifying. Oh, come on, let's get back to the house. I lay awake a long while that night, thinking about Martin's folly and the things we had seen there. Next morning, Tony and I took a stroll along the beach, and I began to talk about the events of the preceding night. It's all sent to you. I'd rather forget the whole thing. Wild horses wouldn't drag me near that place again after dark. <laughs> Perhaps that's the idea. Well, that's the idea. What Perhaps idea? Perhaps that's the purpose of the ghost, to make sure people do keep away. Oh, that's all right with me. If he wants to haunt Martin's folly, he can do so till the end of time, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you don't quite see what I mean. I what I'm know. trying to say is that Maybe he isn't a real ghost at all. Oh, now, wait a minute, Nick. If you're suggesting that unearthly figure we saw was somebody dressed oh, up... he might have been. But he was transparent. I could see right through Oh, nonsense. I could, I tell you. My dear Tony, you're imagining I things. Not... I saw him as clearly as you did. And whatever else he may have been, he was not transparent. Right. He certainly gave me that impression. It was a trick of the light. Perhaps so. I still say he was a ghost, though. A French ghost, then. Chauvelin with red hair. I see what you mean. <laughs> now, look here. Look, then. Uh, let me draw something for you with my stick here in the sand. Now, watch. All right. Now, look here. This, this crescent in the beach, just down from here. Hamilton Sands, right? Uh-huh. These are the sand dunes beyond, about half a mile square. Quite a big area. Uh-huh. At each end of the beach, there are cliffs and there are headlands, right? Yep. And here on the eastern headland is this house. And over yonder on the western headland is Martin's Folly. Exactly. About three quarters of a mile apart, with sand dunes in between. So what's all this leading to? Now, um, suppose a landing were to be made on the beach. Troop landing, you mean? Right. But suppose this house in Martin's Folly were in the hands of the invaders, and suppose they had light artillery, what would the situation be then? Well, they could have fired across the dunes and prevent anyone crossing them, I dare say. Precisely. It's <laughs> all extremely interesting, but unfortunately, it has no foundation in fact at all. Properly organized, it could be possible. So to cover their landings, here at any rate, they seize this house. Well, that shouldn't be difficult with only Anatole and a few servants to oppose them. And establish themselves at Martin's Folly. Well, why not? Where does the ghost come in, eh? Suppose an advanced guard were already here, established in the ruined house, laying up a store of arms and ammunition. Then you think the idea of the ghost to scare off inquisitive intruders? Perhaps. 
Make a thorough search of the place by daylight. Let's take another walk over there after lunch, shall we? Danny. Yes? What's wrong with now? But after two hours of careful search to the ruins of Martin's Folly, we found nothing. No hidden arms, no signs of occupation of any sort, just rubble and weeds and crumbling walls. We began to walk home disconsolately. Tell me for your thoughts, Blackney. Have you seen over many Elizabethan houses? Uh, scores of them, why? Can you ever remember one that didn't have a cellar? No. Every house had its cellar then, as it has now. And today there's no sign of one. We were never at any time below ground level. Perhaps Martin just didn't believe in them. Perhaps that was one of his follies. Oh, nonsense. There must be cellars underground somewhere. Well, we'd have seen them, wouldn't we? Or at least the way back. Yes, Tony, a secret entrance. It explains a lot of things. And most particular of all, it explains how the ghost of Sarufa suddenly appeared and suddenly disappeared last night. Tony... We're going back there this evening. In a moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Scoring as the Scarlet Pimpernel. So, that same night, we returned to Martin's Folly. The apparition had appeared in the West Wing, so we found a hiding place there, inside the ruined walls, and waited. It was a night of scudding clouds and a whistling wind, awesome and eerie. Midnight struck. If you ask me, we're wasting a good night's sleep. I'll wager a guinea to a broke nothing happens. Certainly won't if you insist on talking. If you ask... Shh. What is it? I heard something. What? I don't know. A sort of creaking sound, huh? Sort of what sound? Creaking. Oh. Coming in the wind. No, there's much more than that. It seemed it... Tony, the light! Well, it's coming from somewhere beyond that wall. Oh, do you think we can creep toward it? Well, towards the light, yes. Well, let's try. But for heaven's sake, tread warily. Now, no noise or we'll scare the ghost away. Swords again. Oh, ghost certainly follows a set routine. Noisy fellow, isn't he? It certainly is. The light seems to be dimming. Yes, it's moving away from us. Yeah, make towards that archway ahead. Hurry, hurry. And then, as we neared the archway, Tony stumbled over a pile of rubble and pitched forward with a resounding clatter. Throwing caution to the winds, I ran towards the source of the light. For an instant, I saw the small, slight figure of a man in Elizabethan dress. Then the light was doused, and all I could see was a vague shadow moving swiftly away. My hand closed on a stone, and I flung it. I heard what seemed to be a gasp of human pain. Then a cloud crossed the moon, and all was dark as pitch. I, I sensed rather than saw Tony beside me. Oh, I'm sorry about that, Blakeney. So you should be. Oh, well, what happened? Well, I saw him. Saw who? Well, the ghost, you know, your transparent one. I hit him. Hit him? With a stone. It must have gone straight through him. Well, I must have heard him on the way through then. How do you mean? I heard him scream. So ended that night's adventure. Next morning when we rose, there was no sign of Anatole. 
A couple of hours later, as Tony and I strolled in the grounds, he came across the lane towards us. And around his head, he wore a bandage. Good morning. I'm sorry I was not able to join you this morning at breakfast. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Had an accident, Arthur? Yes, uh, a slight head wound. It's nothing important. Oh, dear. Well, how did it happen? Well, last night I, I didn't sleep well. Oh, I'm sorry. So this morning early, I went to the stable, yeah. saddled one of the horses, and took myself off for a ride. I was galloping on the beach when my mount stumbled. I was thrown and hit my head on a small stone. Bad luck. <laughs> I blame only myself. I'm such a poor rider. Oh, come now. But uh, how feels it with you, monsieur? You slept well, I hope? Admirably. And how was your ghost hunting this time? And what makes you think we went ghost hunting again? Well, uh, about half past twelve, I, I heard footsteps on the drive, and, and later sounds in the passageway and the, the opening of doors. It was you, was it not? Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, we did take another little stroll over to Martin's folly, didn't we? <laughs> did you have any luck? No. No, I didn't say a thing. <laughs> Oh, perhaps Sir Rufus was resting last night. I dare say. <laughs> well, if you'll be good enough now to excuse me, uh, I have things to do. Certainly. Uh, we will meet at lunch. How do you Au revoir. This becomes most interesting, my dear. Well, it looks as though my marksmanship couldn't have been too bad last night, huh? So you're thinking what I'm thinking, eh? Uh, seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? Oh, of course, it may only be a coincidence. Oh, it may. Uh... Anatole, of all people, don't understand. Oh, I do, in a sort of way. Yes, but to be such a renegade, to ally himself against the enemies of his own class, his own people, to betray the country that's given his family... Oh, I dare say he doesn't see it like that. Well, how else could he see it? Well, this man's Napoleon's greater than most people have yet realized, Tony. Greater? Uh, more dangerous, if you like. The French don't see him just as a good general and a capable ruler. They see him as a sort of demigod, a man of destiny who's going to lead him back to greatness. And you think... I think Anatole's fallen under his spell. He sees himself not as a traitor, but as a patriot. I give him the credit of believing he's quite sincere. But um, there's something much more important. That so-called ghost we saw last night, well, he came from somewhere, and he must have gone back somewhere. Before he appeared, do you remember that sort of creaking sound I heard? Of course. The secret door to the cellars. Uh-huh. But... Oh, back to Martin's folly again, I suppose. <laughs> Let's see. We were hidden here, uh-huh. and the light came from there, didn't it? Through the archway beyond that wall. Yes, it's a long, narrow room. Must have been a sort of gallery. Where were you standing when you saw him? Right here, by the arch. Where was he? Oh, 15 feet away. Oh, well, check that. Back here, would you say? Mm, more or less. Well, then what happens? Well, the light was doused, and he turned and ran. Directly away from you? Yes. That means to say he went this way. That's right. Then, then I threw the stone. Would he have been this far away from you, then? Oh, it's hard to tell. I, I, I should think so, yes. Good. Hold on a minute. I'll join you. Yes, I, I imagine he must have been somewhere near here at the time. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, I lost sight of him altogether from then on. Well, he could only possibly have gone two ways. Straight ahead of the far arch or through here into what looks as though it may have been the entrance to the servants' quarters. Let's split forces. You right. go there, I'll go here. If you come across anything that could conceivably be a secret entrance to anything, give me a call. Right. See you later. Tony was standing before an intact stretch of wall, overgrown like all the rest, and yet somehow different. I found it, I think. This stonework here isn't quite the same texture as the rest. If it is a secret door, well, how on earth does it open? Well, obviously by some hidden mechanism that works by pressing on one particular stone. Yeah, but to find it's another thing. Let's try each one separately. You start that side and I'll start this, all right? Right, right. Well, it's certainly not this one. Oh! Ouch. All right. Uh, nor that. Well, there's a spider. Uh, nor this one. 
Are you going, Connie? Oh, no luck so far. Oh, the earwigs. Here, yeah, wait a minute. This one seems to give just a little. Yes. Well, press it then. Oh, press that's it. That's what I am doing. It's loose, all right. Oh, press it harder. You can feel a quite definite movement. Blakeney. Look. We've done it. Good man. Oh, flight of steps leading down. You were right. Now, look, uh, you stay here on guard. I'll go down and investigate. Oh, no, you don't. Uh, I wouldn't yes, make I... this for a thousand pounds. And suppose our ghostly friend turns up and closes the door on us and we can't get out again? Well, we'll take a chance on that. The steps came on to a long subterranean passageway. At the end of this, there was a door. We opened it, and there before us was a vast cellar. Blakeney, it's incredible. Well, well, well. Look at those racks of muskets. Scores of them. Hundreds. Pistols, swords, ball ammunition, kegs of powder. Quite an arsenal, eh? Yeah, to arm a couple of battalions. Even cannonballs and a couple of small cannons. Well, I don't understand how on earth they'd possibly have got all this stuff here. Well, they certainly didn't bring it the way we came. No. They've never done so without being seen. Yeah, that means there must be another entrance somewhere. Dear Tony, if you only use your eyes, you'd see a door on the far side. It's obviously through there. <laughs> Beyond the far door, there was another passageway, higher and wider than the first, and dropping steeply. Then suddenly it opened out, and we were in a huge cave with water lapping at our feet. So that's it. Cavern in the cliff face. Arms and stores brought over from France by night, unloaded and stacked in the cellars below Martins. Oh, neat, eh? Neat, very neat. Apart from arms, you could smuggle a regiment of soldiers in here without anyone being the wiser. Well, what do we do now? We go back the way we came. We closed the secret door, and we hope we haven't been observed. So back we went again, through the great cellar with its huge store of arms along the passageway and up the steps. The secret door was still open, and all seemed well. We stepped out into the sunlight, closed the door carefully behind us, and then... Break me! Tony's hand was touching his right shoulder. Blood was seeping through his fingers. As he collapsed, I grabbed him, and drawing him with me, I flung myself behind the precarious cover of a pile of rubble. Spurted an inch from my head. It was Anatole, of course. It could be no one else. I lay still a while, but I knew I must act, and soon, or else Anatole would stalk me and pick me up at his leisure. There seemed only one chance to draw his fire and charge him before he could reload. So I gathered myself ready. Then, deliberately, I raised my head. Now, I sprang forward in the direction the shot had come from. A few paces only, and then my foot stubbed a projecting stone, and I sprawled forward. For a second, I lay winded and half stunned, my face in the dust. Then I lifted my eyes and found myself staring into the black holes of a double-barreled musket. My gaze followed along the barrels to the triggers. A slim figure was already curving around one of them, and then suddenly... Sebastian, are you all right? I'm not... Thank heaven I got here in time. But I thought... It was your life or hers. Hers? You don't... You mean... You can't. Regardez, monsieur. Look on the face of a traitor. Felicite. Yes. Oh, No! No! In a moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel.
Now, Mario scoring as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Come in. Oh, it's you, Blackney. I've just been talking to the doctor. He tells me you're going to be all right. A week or so in bed, perhaps. I'll be hanged to that. It'll take more than a fiddling little flesh wound to keep me in bed. Blackney, have you talked to the Countess Manitou? Yes. Pretty cut up, I suppose. <laughs> Naturally. Still can't believe it, you know. How in the name of heaven would a girl like Felicity? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It's simple enough, really, Tony. She was 18 when the family fled from France. She already had a lover, it seems. An ambitious young soldier named Doran. Oh. He's now one of Bonaparte's captains. He followed and found her here in England, and you can guess the rest. So it wasn't just a warped and twisted sense of patriotism. Something much stronger than that. The strongest motive in the world, Tony. Love. are The Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Marius Goring, is written by Joel Merkett, with music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers.